Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest lecture. This is going to be interesting. This is going to be on the adrenal gland, but it's going to be on something that many of us don't think about, but it's something that does come up in clinical practice, and that's primary hyperaldosteronism. And I'm going to use this as a way of thinking a little bit about the adrenal gland, particularly with some of the functioning tumors. So let's take a look back and first of all think about what the adrenals look like. This is one of the first articles on the adrenal gland. Both adrenal glands were clearly seen in 78% of cases. And CT was the first study to really be able to see the adrenal glands. And we've learned over the years the varying sizes and shapes of the adrenal glands and how they do vary from patient to patient and from side to side. We talk about the adrenal glands and we can look at the thickness of the gland and you can see the typical measurements that are made across the limb. And when you look at some of the normal uh, findings when you correlate with pathology, and this article by Ma talks about the length, width, and thickness of the right adrenal gland, 34 millimeters, 10 and 6 respectively, talks about the left adrenal gland. So you can see there's variations, but typically the thickness of an adrenal gland is usually under three millimeters. And when you look at it, here's just a normal case, one of our normal patients, very nice adrenal gland. You can see the adrenals are thin. Often the individual limbs will vary slightly in length and slightly in width. The adrenals typically enhance, sometimes up to 60 Hounsfield units. When you have adrenal hyperplasia, the limbs get enlarged. They get thickened, and it can be bilateral, as in this case, or it can be unilateral. And the limbs just look thick. Here they're measuring over five or six millimeters. Typically, we look at things in the axial plane, but at times the coronal plane, in fact, is advantageous. In this article by Ma, they also say that the coronal plane has superior advantage in looking at the adrenals, particularly when looking at the shape and doing measurements. And so here's just another normal example of the adrenal glands, left and right, nicely seen. You can see the thickness here, and then another example here where the limbs are a little bit thinner. I mentioned the adrenals enhance, and if you measure this, it's probably 60 or 70 Hounsfield units. And we think about enhancing adrenal lesions in certain tumors, typically pheochromocytoma, when you see a mass and it's very vascular typically above 150 Hounsfield units of pheo. Occasionally metastatic renal cell can look similar. When you see normal shaped adrenal glands and you see very bright enhancement, that's the classic hypoperfusion. So the adrenal is a very good marker of perfusion or hypoperfusion in this case. And you can see this patient had trauma, there's rupture through the abdominal wall, the bowel is herniating outward. And you can see when you look at the adrenals, they maintain the adrenal shape, but they're indeed very, very bright. And this is a pediatric patient, and the initial work and description of this syndrome was actually in the pediatric population. This article by Tarant makes the point that intense adrenal enhancement, its etiology is not known, but it's likely to be a sympathetic response to hypovolemic shock, along with preservation of perfusion of the adrenals as a vital organ. Um, we talk about this as a hypovolemic shock complex, but it's seen in other situations, including following severe burns or surgery, but it's really when the patient's critically ill. Now, thinking about that, when you look at the adrenal glands, what do we typically look at? We can look at the size, we can look at the presence of masses, unilateral versus bilateral, the attenuation, if it's fat, it's a myelipoma, if it's vascular, we talk about enhancement patterns, and we talk about pheos. We talk about uh, myelipomas, which contain fat and calcification. There are a number of things we will think about. 
But of course, one of the critical things is clinical history and presentation. Incidental adrenal lesions, a patient with no known malignancy, 7 to 10% of patients over age 50 have incidental adrenal lesions. But now if you say to me the patient has lung cancer or renal cell cancer, then I have to be thinking that the lesion I pick up is not an incidentaloma, but it's metastasis. Taking that one step further, there are also functioning tumors. We talk about Cushing syndrome, which is the most common presentation for a primary adrenal carcinoma. We talk about FIOS and hypertension. And then we talk about Kahn syndrome, which is primary aldosteronism. And we're going to speak about that. Now, when we talk about the adrenal, I mentioned a moment ago about incidentalomas, a non-functioning adrenal tumor detected on an imaging study for indications not related to the adrenal gland, your typical incidental finding in the abdomen. And I mentioned articles will vary up to 7 to 10%. This article speaks about 5%. The better your scanner, the more adrenal adenomas you picked up. And Song did make the report when she spoke about her experience or in this article that in reality, in a patient with no history of cancer, invariably every lesion you find is going to be benign. And they made the point and questioned perhaps we really don't need to follow these cases up the way we do. Well, the truth is most of us do follow them. We do adrenal protocols. We look for old scans. But again, statistically, incidental adrenal carcinomas and metastasis are rare, right? Typically, incidentalomas are going to be these incidental findings that we can leave alone. And typical example is this case. Here's an adrenal, round, oval, classic, low density, mean is zero. That's an adenoma. Now, the issue always, of course, comes, this was a non-contrast study. Most patients these days have contrast-enhanced scans, and we don't have non-contrast studies. And so if you measured it with contrast, arterial phase at 64. If you only had a lesion at 64, you don't know what the lesion is. You can't call it a benign adenoma. Well, of course, we then have learned at 15 minutes, adenomas, better than 90% of the time, will wash out. They'll drop more than 50 or 60% in terms of enhancement. And in fact, in this case, it went from 0 to 64. And then at 10 minutes, it went from 64 down to 31, which makes it an adenoma. Now, in this lecture, I'm not going to speak about washout values, but just remind you of the things we typically think about. And so in this case, 6 Hounsfield units, anything under 10 non-contrast, we're calling adenoma. And yes, this enhances to 67. If you looked at it only at 60 seconds, it was 56. But on delayed scans, by 10 minutes, it was 18. Now, we talk about delayed at uh, 10 minutes and 15 minutes. The rule is washout needs to be 50 to 60% by 15 minutes. Obviously, if it washes out by 10 minutes, so much the better. But if you're relied on 10 minutes, you can make the mistake because some lesions will take up to 15 minutes to wash out. And here's just a very nice example of the washout of that last case. And here's one more example. And one of the real values of this technique is in patients who have lipid-poor adenomas. So here in non-contrast, it was 24. You don't know what it is, but it goes to 56 at a minute and then washes back down to 28, so a classic adenoma. Or this example, 40 Hounsfield units, we don't know what it could be, goes up to 80 very nicely, and then goes back from 81 
back to 42 so it washes out more than 50 percent so again we really have a very nice strategy for looking at the adrenal now every rule has its exception and the one exception relates to pheochromocytomas because every article that looked at adrenal washout always would say we excluded pheos because pheos are obvious well to be honest with you our experience is that pheos aren't obvious because the majority of our pheos were actually never suspected. We pick up many incidental pheochromocytomas. And so an example is in this case. You look at the right adrenal, there's a nodule present. And if you look carefully, it's a small lesion, a bit over a centimeter, no history of malignancy. It looks benign, let's be honest, it looks benign. But it measures 50 Hounsfield units. You can't call it benign, so you need to do a washout. Well, you give contrast, and at 60 seconds, it's 164 Hounsfield units. Well, my rule is if it goes above 110, it's not an adenoma. I don't care how much it washes out. Over 110, it's a pheo till proven otherwise. And yes, this lesion does wash out quickly to 78. So if you only use the rule of greater than 50%, you would have made a mistake and called this an adenoma while it's really a pheo. So very important, when something enhances above 110, I am really afraid it's gonna be a non-adenoma and I will not let it go, okay? Again, most FIOs are 150 to 200, but above 110, you essentially never see adenomas. FIOs, of course, we recognize they're vascular on early phase imaging, almost always have greater than a 50% washout, and it is kind of tricky. Another example here. Now, this is a larger lesion, but, you know, does that bother you, the right adrenal? It's almost 4CM. You have to look at it better. You have to evaluate it. You give contrast. There it is, a very vascular lesion. That's a classic pheochromocytoma. Here it is again in coronal perspective. No problem. Now, when we talk about adrenals, we also talk about adrenal cysts, but that's kind of easy. Here's where the density value works very nicely. It's, 40, it's zero uh, Hounsfield units, well-defined. Adrenal cysts can be small, they can be larger, as in this case. And when you look at it in coronal view, they do not enhance with IV contrast. It's your very much classic incidental leave-alone lesion. We also talk about fatty tumors, and the adrenal has the classic myelolipoma. It's a very important diagnosis because we pick them up in older patients, and it can be confused because we've seen it on PET. These often have brown fat, and PET can be hot, and all of a sudden you're calling metastasis, and it's a benign lesion. Sometimes myelolipomas are all fat, like this case, and sometimes they're mixed fat and soft tissue, like this case. And sometimes they have punctate calcification and minimal fat, but that's a very classic appearance. So those are kind of our lesions we think about. So how does this lead me into primary adosteronomas? Well, what is it? It's usually unilateral, but can be bilateral. They're amongst the smallest lesions we see in the 1.5 to 2 centimeter range. They typically do not enhance. CT is up to 90% accurate, with thin section CT being the, the key factor. Now, the diagnosis of primary aldosteronoma in this article by Patel makes the point that it's the most common form of secondary hypertension and typically based on clinical and biochemical features. So these patients are presenting with, often with hypertension. It, 
CT and imaging plays a key role in detecting these lesions and trying to determine whether the patient has an aldosterone-producing adenoma or simply bilateral adrenal hyperplasia. In this article by Patel, 100% specificity for diagnosis hyperplasia was achieved with a mean adrenal limb width of greater than or equal to 5 millimeters. Okay, so some of the numbers. Another article, way back when, by Dunnick, very high positive predictive value. In no case was an adrenal tumor seen on CT scans that was not found at surgery. And then uh, Reed concludes that if CT scans with Kahn syndrome show a focal mass, ipsilateral adrenalectomy can be performed and cure will be expected. If no mass is found, then venous sampling is necessary. And that's going to be one of the interesting issues. When do you need to do venous sampling? Can you simply use the CT findings? This article by Lingam, in patients with primary hyperaldosteronism, the adrenal measurements on CT can aid in differentiating hyperplasia from an adenoma, obviously by the CT appearance, and in that article, a sensitivity of 100% was achieved when a mean limb width of greater than 3 millimeters was used to diagnose hyperplasia and specificity when a mean limb width of 5 millimeters or greater was used. So here's just a simple example. You look at the left adrenal, there's a lesion present. It's a discrete lesion. That was an aldosteronoma. Or here's a case you could see a small lesion, one centimeter in size. It enhances just a little bit, and in fact, it's a bit easier to see with contrast, very nicely shown in the coronal view. Classic adenoma. Now, hyperplasia, we commented normal adrenals are three millimeters. Hyperplasia, we talk about getting above five millimeters. We mentioned articles before about looking at width, and you could read those numbers yourself, but again, that five millimeters tends to be a good number. Here's a good example in this case of bilateral adrenal hyperplasia, shown nicely on axial views and very nicely shown on the coronal views. Here's another example very nicely shown in this case. Now, when we talk about the sensitivity of CT for finding primary aldosteronomas, again, I mentioned about 90% accuracy. But it's somewhat tricky because what if you have small bilateral lesions, which is the functioning process? That really is the biggest challenge. So we do pick up lesions, and particularly in younger patients, then it's pretty much easy to make the call. But in older patients who have lots of incidentalomas, you need to be indeed very, very careful. And we have some work being published which does make the point that it can be a very tricky diagnosis that unless you see a really dominant mass, you really do need to do adrenal vein sampling to be certain that you're not missing a second lesion or you, you resect the lesion that is actually causing the problem and you're not seeing one lesion and missing a second lesion. Now, when we talk about other adrenal lesions, and I'll just be complete to mention it, we talk about malignancies, and most commonly we talk about metastasis. Pheos, 10% of the time, are going to be malignant. We talk about primary adrenal carcinoma. Those are often the largest lesions. Now, the largest lesions are the ones that don't have syndromic with them. Cushing's is the most classic, and those lesions are very large. The smaller adrenal lesions are typically the hyperfunctioning ones. 
Adrenal carcinoma is cured if you can cure the patient with surgery, but the tumors present late and spread early to local lymph nodes, to vascular structures, to lung, liver, and bone. Very classic appearance, large adrenal mass, sometimes relatively well-defined, but the capsule or pseudocapsule can be a fuller. You often have spread well beyond the adrenal gland when the lesion presents. And here's another one on the right side. And then very common extension into the renal vein and up into the IVC. Very nicely shown coronal views. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish renal from adrenal from liver, but the coronal views usually makes that process very easy. I spoke about metastasis, that that's the most common malignancy. And there's a range of tumors from lung to breast to renal to melanoma to everything else. The appearance of the adrenal mets occasionally can suggest the primary large bilateral round lesions, I think of melanoma, vascular lesions, I think of renal cell. But here is cystic lung cancer, cystic mets the adrenal on the left, but more solid on the right. So even the same tumor in two adrenal glands in the same patient can look different. Melanoma, classically bilateral. And as I mentioned, vascular like this, you got to be thinking renal cell carcinoma. And in this case, we have a left nephrectomy and a recurrent mass in the left renal bed. It's a fairly easy diagnosis. So concluding then, CT is a study of choice for evaluating the adrenal glands. And we speak a lot about incidentalomas. We also look at it for some of the syndromic patients, patients with functioning tumors, so again, pheochromocytoma. Also patients with hypertension, we're thinking about aldosteronoma. So again, the key differential is whether there's a nodule present or there's hyperplasia. The challenges with a nodule is that the nodule that's causing the process. And at this point, it seems from all the articles that in most centers, venous sampling is still necessary. So with that, hopefully that's a bit helpful and have a great day. Bye.